Greetings, everyone. This is the Sound Health Radio Show with Richard Talk to Me Guy. And as we know, Sherry Edwards is at work at the soundhealthportal.com. If you'd like more information to, set, to find out about the Sound Health Portal, you can go to soundhealthportal.com. And a great way to get a test run of the Sound Health Portal is to scroll down a little further once you get to that page and look at the current campaigns. And the campaigns is something you can do. Uh, you just sign up for a free account, and the system will walk you through recording about two 45-second recordings of your voice right through the computer. And you can choose some of the current campaigns are BioDiet, which looks at your overall digestive health, assimilation, methylation cascade, all those magic words. I'm certain Jack could do a whole show about methylation cascade. Our guest today, Jack Tips. Uh, also, there's coronavirus or corona conflict, excuse me, fibromyalgia and PTSD, as well as a bunch of other campaigns. They rotate through various programs. These are all Sherry, programs that Sherry has designed. And on the Sound Health portal, it's a great thing to see today in the sense of, I mean, today versus when we used to lug around a laptop to do it. On the Sound Health portal, you also get amazing charts and visual aids that are really helpful to see what's going on in a visual form that I find quite beneficial for getting an overview of what the haps are in your digestive system or whatever system you're looking at. Neuroplasticity is also a personal favorite where you look at how the brain is working and what's going on. And oftentimes it'll indicate something that's too low or too high. And those can both be having to do with assimilation. So you pick your campaign the system will walk you through doing the recordings. You'll submit that. And then in a couple of hours, the most I've ever waited is about 10 hours. You'll get a report with a lot of information that you can review. Then if you want, and if you have a practitioner who's open to it, you can take that information to them and they can sit down to talk to you with, what can we do about this? Somebody such as, once again, check tips. See a demo of Sherry doing a live workup with somebody on air when she does uh, webinars demonstrating the software on the Sound Health Portal, or actually demonstrating the portal, you can go to soundhealthoptions.com, click on classes, then scroll down to portal presentations, and you'll see one of her current presentations, and there may be more below that, but the latest presentation will be up there. And as I said, those are live workups on air where she has somebody that volunteers and then goes through a workup on their portal and you get to watch the actual process, which is wow. I've seen it a lot and it still wows me because there's so much information. And I say every week, and I'm going to emphatically say this week to hear a replay of this show, which again, knowing Jack tips, you're going to want to hear. You can go to soundhealthoptions.com, click on the radio tab, then click on the sound health radio tab. And down there at the top of that page will be the flyer for this show, as well as a number of other shows. And you can click on that and go directly to the web page at Blog Talk, where you'll see the show notes and listen to the show there. And or at the top of the page now, we have both Pocket Cast and Stitcher, where you can click on either of those. Those are both podcast aggregators. And you'll be able to see the information there in the list that shows up when you click on, let's say, Stitcher, it shows up with this show, usually within about 30 to 60 minutes, that show will, this show will appear there. 
and you'll be able to click on it and listen to the replay. And there's also on both Pocket Casts and Stitcher, you can easily share the show so that you can pass the show on to your friends. This is a show that people really could, as some of us are gathering in the category of elderly or are deeply embedded, depending on your personal view. And it's a lifestyle thing. It's not just for the elderly. Yes, we're, our focus today is going to be on elderly, but really it's about longevity and health. And we all are here because we have that in common. We all want to know about longevity and health. So with either of those podcasts app, you can click and share the show and or listen to the replay. And if you're inclined, you can also go to your, if you're on iOS, the app there that's built into the system is called Podcast. And if you're on Android, the default app is called Google Podcasts, and you can find the Sound Health Radio Show at both those locations. With that, Wellness Whiz Jack Tips earned a Ph.D. in nutrition science from the Roger Williams School of Nutrition Science in Clayton, Missouri. He's also a naturopathic doctor, certified clinical nutritionist, classical homeopath, herbalist, and, the, and is the author of 16 books. Wellness Wiz has dedicated his career to advancing the application of natural health practices and bringing to bear the latest research in his own clinic, as well as passing on his vast knowledge to others. His teaching style has been honed to cut through the scientific chatter to the true essence of the latest natural health research. As a natural health consultant, Wellness Tips has touched the lives of thousands of people with his keen insights and foundational belief that he stands in service to the body's innate vitality from which optimal health originates. Jack joins us to discuss why the elderly are at such a high risk of disease in a standard of care world. Welcome, Dr. Jack. Well, howdy and good morning, everyone. It's such a pleasure, to Richard, to allow a little more volume to my voice here as we get to reach out and share our our message that we both love of, of natural health and what it means to people who can embrace the natural health tenants and then have a higher quality of life. So good morning, everyone. Good morning. And for those that, if I sound a little tense, it was because up until nine minutes before airtime, the platform was down. So I didn't think there was going to be a show. So it's quite exciting that we're all gathered together here. It's amazing. The, the miracle of the internet. <laughs> Exactly. The interweb has come together. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back into our conversation ever so slightly by asking, there was, a, there was a study done called the Longevity Study, and I interviewed a couple of different authors who had views on that study. One was Superager with Marissa Marie uh, Collins, and another one was uh, Stephen Schempf, MD, who talked about the Longevity Decoded. I guess I just have to ask, they looked at longevity, and they talked about longevity. Was this fake news in your mind? I mean, based on what you're talking about, the elderly are getting sick more than I think they did in these longevity studies. Where is it? It feels like a conundrum or a, a word I can't use on air. <laughs> well, um, I think it's, it's well recognized now, certainly in the scientific community, that the human lifespan can be much longer. And yes, our lifespan has been aided by 
sanitation. It's been aided by medicine, the intervention, let's say, of the silver bullet antibiotic that saves a life, uh, by the amazing level of acute and um, oh, triage care that we have. If someone goes to the emergency room, um, the, the amazing ways that, that doctors can save lives. But an alarming statistic has come forth. Now, um, I think it's um, Dr. Aubrey who said, well, he can see a model where a human being could live to be a 1,000 years. And it's nice to have lofty goals, but that's a little bit beyond the mindset of anyone. But I think we could, we could round up uh, uh, quite a few of, of very uh, well-established scientists, and we could probably hit the benchmark of 120, 120 years. And uh, these are studies based on the fact that, you know, uh, one scientist or researcher, you know, kept the old chicken heart beating in a Petri dish for, I, I forget now the number, sorry, but it's probably like 50, 60 years. And we realize the amazing power within our bodies to live and to regenerate and to rejuvenate. So if we just set a benchmark that I think we could all, without blinking, agree to, such as 120 years, then we have to realize that what medicine has contributed has suddenly petered out. Because the latest statistic from about five years ago is that our children will not live as long as we will. So uh, my generation now, I guess there's three out there. Um, let me just say this. I'm 70 years old. So um, there's my generation of the baby boomers, and then we have the, the millennials, and then we have the generation X, and so forth as we watch the wheel turn in the generation's come, but the new generation is not going to live as long. So now we have an indictment <laughs> coming. Why? You know, and so everything can contribute and, and some things give with one hand and take with the other. But we've been able to, in our current strategy, you know, get people up to 100. And more recently, we've seen if we really go out and, and try to use this current uh, virus crisis we're finding people, uh, one person at 107 who got very sick, went to the hospital and survived and did not use a respirator. We have people at 103, 102 that have been able to survive, but right now no one is launching a study on, well, how they do it? Is it the luck of the draw? And we're not really looking at the facts now of why the elderly particularly in the retirement centers, are being devastated by this. And so on one hand, I can give you six or seven reasons why the elderly should be susceptible. That, uh, And I will in just a minute. I just don't want to hog the whole conversation. But I think it's important to say, oh, well, we all thought that, yeah, old people, you know, they're at the end of the rope and this is just too much for them. And we accept that. But on the other hand, we have to contrast that with we are a society that we consider by some standard to be extremely well-fed, uh, clean water. Uh, you know, we're not getting epidemics of cholera and that we have the advantage of antibiotics and massive vaccines 
and uh, the wonderful care of hospitals, and everybody has their multitude of doctors all specialized, and yet this entire model where I want to say the elderly should be the strongest. They've had the advantage of clean water and lots of good food and care and um, and and you know if they got a sniffle they ran and got a drug and and all of this just to keep bolstering their health and it should be our elderly in the United States that would shine forth to the world and say look what our standard of care look what our standard of living can do and then we get slapped in the face because in the United States our elderly have suffered some of the greatest devastation and even in the world when other systems, other countries, have embraced what we do in this country, e.g. Western medicine, they are struggling as well. So I, I think it, this is an interesting debate that, okay, old person, they're running out of time versus no, Elderly people here should then be the testimony to the world of what our great, great, and very expensive <laughs> system can do. So there you go, Richard. Um, when you're ready, I'd love to cite oh, seven items of why uh, elderly would normally historically have trouble, but I want to I see if you've got a, something to interject here, please. Well, I'd like to add in – thank you – and I'd like to toss into the mix, I had a grandmother who lived to be 106. Now, she died in the mid-70s, so that meant that, you know, it was back then before our atmosphere completely was toxic overload. But, I mean, at the age of 97, she fell on her front porch shoveling snow and broke her hip. And she'd up until that point, she'd never had any incident. She wasn't on meds. She wasn't on anything other than what they, my grandparents would have called, you know, just their diet. They just ate food they grew and killed animals that they grew and raised. Occasionally, they killed something. And now today, we would call that an organic diet because back then, they couldn't afford to use chemicals, so they didn't. And they didn't have that many chemicals in those, in those early decades. She lived 106, was fine, never had any real issue. Now, she was an ox to begin with. I mean, in terms of, you know, she was literally somebody who came across America in a wagon from Michigan to Salt Lake City as a child. So that's, you know, it's a whole different world of a generation. But those were people who ate kind of an organic diet because they didn't know what anything else was. They just unintentionally ate an organic diet. And at the age of 106, she just died. She didn't have like a thing or a something or Alzheimer's, any kind of condition. She just died from probably wearing out. So I have that as a, as a, as a model of that is possible in my lineage. And she didn't, she didn't, you know, go out and run six miles a day. And she didn't, you know, she just lived an active life. So I have that, and so that's my setup for you to talk to us about some of these seven points of like why can't and and also I I have to back up for just a sec, and back to the longevity studies where they talk about zones. 
unintentionally they called them blue zones, having nothing to do with the political system. They just somebody used the, actually a blue marker on the map, going these are the zones where people are really healthy. Places yeah, like, like Sardinia and places yeah. like that where they they're they're not uh, courting stress. And I think that's probably where those studies uh, on blue zones went. Um, you know, this is the person that's happy. Uh, putting a hoe in the garden, they're they're happy uh, walking behind the the flock of goats, and they're right. they're living on a, a natural diet. They're not all hurry hurry ding ding punching their cell right. phones, and <laughs> and all of that. And and I think the big factor out of those studies was they're they're happier. They have a strong community, and they found that they eat many varied diets. Some diets are very high in carbohydrate. They have a lot of uh, whole grown out of the backyard field. They have pastas uh, that are more the old timey uh, genetic strains. They're not using the multi hybridized American wheat. They're using their grain. And um, but we, they found that okay, you have the Mediterranean diet. You have people that are eating a lot of fish and shellfish. You have people that are mostly swinging toward carbohydrate. But what they're all doing is they're connected to family. They're in tight knit communities. Uh, they have a place in the world um, where they're respected and they're related to. And they have a very natural diet, and they do walk. Uh, you know, we've often hear, hear from our scientists today that walking is a great form of exercise. You just have to get out and walk around the block. And But they're walking, you know, five and six miles a day, walking to go to the store. And instead of hopping a freeway at 60 miles an hour and <laughs> with life and limb at stake, um, they just have these different lifestyles that do not dish out the multitasking stress time and again. And then we're finding uh, scientists will extrapolate from that saying stress is driving inflammation and inflammation is the big bugbear that's uh, taking us down. And so we really need to, to look at what's the cause. What's the cause of the inflammation? And we would have one of our primary secrets of hitting that 120 mark, of, of you being able to say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to claim what, what Granny did, <clears throat> but I'm going to do even more thanks to science and the studies of nutritional science, and I'm going to really see that my cells are able to do the things that are not happening today in the retirement centers. And so we have something called immunosenescence that we all have a dose of. And that's just a big word to say our systems get tired, we get damaged, we get free radical damage, sun damage, we get all, you know, the all the layers. We live the rigors of life, we hold some grief in our hearts, and we have uh we just get beat up and that's the rule of life. You know, we're here to to take a few blows as we go through our road of life. But our immune systems get sleepy. They get worn out. And so that's why a, a, a person who's elderly, you would say, oh, well, they've run around the block and got put wet, put away wet, and they're, <laughs> they're fired. And so they're just not going to muster that immune response. So now we can all accept that the elderly are susceptible. But these same elderly people have also had a longer time of chronic inflammation. 
which just wears down the immune system. And this is probably one of the big flaws of modern medicine, is they're leaving, uh, by treating things with drugs, they leave the chronic inflammation intact. They don't treat the cause. And so while the, the drug, let's say, is keeping, let's say, damage to the joints from happening at such a rate because they have an anti-inflammatory agent that addresses that particular inflammatory pathway, the cause, which might be gut microbiome dysbiosis, is left intact. And it just keeps spewing more free radical damage and, and, and affecting the brain and other systems are all getting the inflammation. So that is wearing people down because we're not in a, a, a system that addresses the cause. Uh, ultimately, the elderly people have mitochondrial dysfunction. Very briefly, because I pulled out another big word, the mitochondria make your life energy. They're little uh, foreign... DNA, <laughs> uh, almost like bacteria that live inside our cells, and we might have three or 4,000 of them or even 5,000 in one cell, and they just generate electricity. They're generating what's called adenosine triphosphate, the energy of life, ATP. Well, these mitochondria, because they're little nuclear reactor devices, um, they are susceptible to free radicals because they have to use one of these negative free radicals in order to make energy and they become damaged. So it's like running a car engine hot. Eventually something's going to wear out or something's going to get damaged. So all diseases, all chronic degenerative diseases, all autoimmune diseases are mitochondrial diseases. Hmm. This is the big area. And over time and all of the of free radical and working and having to take glucose in or having to convert uh, fat to glucose to run the engines of the mitochondria, there's just a it's, a, it's a weak link. It's the moving part of our machinery, and it needs to be rejuvenated from time to time. And that's the speciality of natural health, mitochondrial rejuvenation. Looking at, you know, people take supplements like NAD+, they take coenzyme Q10, um, they take uh, N-acetylcysteines, they, they boost glutathione. All of these things is to take care of the mitochondria. So these older people, they have epigenetic alterations. It means their bodies have changed. Uh, they've accommodated certain diseases because they were not cured. They were not self-healed. And so... Their, their, their genetics have to keep them safe, and it's how their bodies are interpreting their gene code that tells the cells how to work. This system starts to get some uh, SNPs, <laughs> single nucleotide polymorphisms, for those of you with the science bend. But these SNPs end up affecting uh, how sensitive or how a person Response. We see a person relying more on their innate immunity rather than their acquired immunity as they age, and the innate immunity is going to be throwing out, you know, more cytokines, more histamines, and so forth. Um, it's just the, the the way of aging. So we also look uh, genetically at telomere attrition. Now the telomeres are the little wrapped ends of the shoestrings of our DNA, the little plastic wrap on the end of the shoestring. And every time the cell divides, we lose one of our telomeres. 
or a pair. And you, you may have that, like, get 5,000 of these. Well, if, if they unravel and your DNA unravels, then you lose cellular function. When you lose cellular function, you're one step closer to death. You lose enough cellular function, you die. So the telomere length is a marker of longevity. Well, for the first time in you know thousands of years, science tells us that our bodies can rebuild telomeres. While we're spending from this bank account, and when we run out of that money, we're dead, but now we can go back and put, make a deposit. And there's nutrients. There's no drug right now. There's nutrients that rebuild the telomeres. I'll, I'll cite the delta and possibly gamma tocotrienol, which is part of the fraction of vitamin E that gets left out of everybody's supplement because they don't use the whole vitamin E. But I'm saying that there's, there's nutrients. We know that resveratrol, whether you'd like to have a glass of wine this evening or you want to stick a bunch of grapes in your mouth. Either way, you're getting resveratrol, which re helps uh, repair DNA and repair the telomere. So we find there's foods that do this work and improve our longevity. Uh, elderly people have impaired autophagy. Now, this is the um, how the body and how the cells uh, remove damaged. So if that mitochondria has a, a bit of damage there, we want to get that removed from the body. If it's not removed, it can go into becoming cancer. So this autophagy is the self-cleaning mechanism, and most of our old people today do not know about it. They don't know how to do it, and they've not engaged any practices to do this, which would be like intermittent fasting or a little time of a keto diet. Um, there's now nutrients uh, that can help the cells uh, go into autophagy without maybe like a biohack of uh, intermittent fasting or something. And so, there, again, there's nutrients that help with one of the primary reasons elderly are susceptible because they're, they're, they're like your old car engine, and it's just those, those valves are getting gummed up. They have burnt oil on them, and it's hardened, and they're not, it's not moving as efficiently. And so if that engine could just go into the shop and get squeaky clean maybe throw a couple of gaskets on, you're going to get another couple hundred thousand miles out of that old Toyota. And uh, I think one of the other big issues is the fact that our modern medicine is not curing any diseases. Um, <laughs> they're suppressing. And then we find, if we look at the statistics of old people who are dying of the COVID virus right now, um, neurological processes... Neurological diseases are number one, and vascular diseases are number two. Both of these are inflammation. In the brain, the disease like, let's say, Alzheimer's, it's coming because the, uh, let's say, the taut tangles and maybe some uh, amyloid, beta amyloids, they're not getting cleaned out by the glymphatic system, the brain's own house-scrubbing system. So the gunk builds up, and uh, most of our elderly people today have not degunked their body any time in their life, and they're just going to get old. Uh, you know, it's just going to do it. And um, on the other side of that, then you were so smart there, Richard, to mention 
organic diet, and uh, unlike most people, I get a, a feed from something called academia.com where they um, feed me every day. There's another research study saying that pesticides are causing mm. poor health. And, and these are not making it to the mainstream media. But I, I literally get one or two research studies from all over the world that are saying pesticides are linked with chronic inflammatory disease. Pesticides, and they'll, they also, also run uh, one of the hotly debatable autism uh, spectrum uh, issues because leaky gut leads to leaky brain, and these pesticides are disturbing our gut microbiome. So when we look at that, we're going to say, okay, our elderly are susceptible for all those reasons I just I cited. But yet every reason I've cited is countered by a natural health therapy, by our natural health model, by our natural health plea to the world that we stop using all the pesticides, that we stop using uh, the tox getting the toxins into the air, that we stop poisoning the oceans, that we stop increasing the intake of plastics and the plastics now that are in the fish and the food that are uh, where we're, we're plastic coating the planet. And so the natural health guy goes, well, that's a problem, but Granny in the rest home um, is happy to you know, grab a plastic cup of juice and not, not knowing. And um, so anyway, we really have now this one subject where literally the whole bailiwick uh, almost can come together under one topic, and it's called altered cell metabolic processes. And so things aren't working right. This is the gunk in the machine. This is the gut microbiome raising inflammation. And we can look at the scientific statistics that says like 87.8% of all elderly people today suffer from unhealthy cellular metabolics. And by the way, that study was published in Metabolic Syndrome and Related Disorders February 8th of 2019. And so we have these studies coming forth that are being ignored Number one, being ignored by big pharma because they point to a food, an herb, or a vitamin, or a mineral. And number two, uh, they're being blocked from people getting access to this. Uh, so as big pharma feeds medical doctors what they know and what they can reply and what they trust, we find that the doctor is not even getting this information. And now that uh, Google is... Uh, censoring these kind of natural health studies, anything that's against pesticides or anything that's against 5G or anything that raises an eyebrow about an RNA vaccine that might uh, give antibodies but also might overexcite the uh, innate immune system toward more cytokine production, those are, those are just being erased uh, you, if, if, unless you have alternative needs now. So we're entering um, a new dark ages of humanity where everyone's information is being controlled by people that have a vested interest to make money. And so um, that's why we need our voices, and I'm so thankful for you, Richard, that um, you provide these voices on your show 
that we can listen and maybe get our eyes opened. But when people have metabolic diseases, they have lower energy, low ATP. We went over that earlier. And inflammation, and this is why they're so susceptible. The, 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 the virus comes, and when you call it a gain-of-function virus, in other words, um, it was either occurred in nature or more likely it was designed as a military weapon in Wuhan, that it's a gain of function. Well, that usually is designed in. It, and gain of function means this virus can change, that it can attack different systems. So we were all merrily going along with this virus concern going, oh, the big problem of this coronavirus was that if you didn't have your immune barriers in strong, if you, you know, that you had good metabolic cellular activities, then you could block it from getting down in your lungs. And so we said, okay, we got to keep it out of the lungs. So all of our systems have been working. Uh, we found that respirators killed people, uh, ventilators and so forth, because it was pushing. It puts extra pressure into the lungs to try to get air. It's all a good intent. But then it was pushing the virus um, through the alveoli sacs and into the blood. And then we start finding we have the child with the vascular disease where we find that so many people now that have had the COVID, they're left with neurological damage because they kept the virus in their nose active and it went up the, the nerve, uh, it gets up in the optic nerve and it gets in the nasal uh, nerves to the brain and it gets access to the brain and then it causes a problem. Or maybe it floated around looking for the proper receptors and it found a, a new haven with the heart or the kidneys. And so we found this gain of function that this virus can move and attack a person's weak links. And so uh, the elderly right now, as they've been raised, in the 20th and 21st centuries, they have the many flaws uh, to their cellular metabolics, right? The, the, think of cellular metabolics, the big disease being diabetes, that they're glucose. And so right from the get-go with this um, <clears throat> gain-of-function coronavirus, their diabetics were already cited as being way up the, the list. This is because they have fundamental inflammation, their mitochondria are damaged, they've set up insulin resistance. Now the drugs being given are trying to overcome their body's self-imposed insulin resistance and forcing, you know, glucose, and as long as they're, they're taking their drugs and, um, <clears throat> and being allowed to drink the, the sugar soda waters, um, th this pattern just stays intact. So what we could do is look at these key factors. If a person has altered cellular metabolics, they have trouble with their weight. They have trouble with their blood pressure. They have trouble with their glucose. And they have uh, trouble with cognition. I'm going to put those. Of course, we know if we're running inflammation vascularly, we're also running it cardiovascularly. And so the heart is on the line. As one of the top three diseases. 
Cancer is on the line as one of the top three diseases. Again, that's a free radical damage with the mitochondria. Uh, the third one, uh, that's called iatrogenic. And so that's going to the doctor for drugs and going to the hospital where mistakes are made and where someone can die of a headshot wound and it get counted as a COVID death because they get a bonus or a bounty paid by Big Pharma and to um, report more and more diseases. So I think today we really have to uh, start looking at that there's two sides to every argument. The best lies have a grain of truth. And so right now people are flooded by the media throwing out skewed information. There's likely a counterpoint in the natural health that skews the information too. I'm, I'm not trying to say someone's a saint and someone's a sinner on this. I'm saying we're all awash in conflicting information. Great scientists step up and say masks don't work. The government steps up and says, we want your compliance. We want masks on everybody. It's a nice thing to do for your neighbors. And on and on, you know, we get this seesaw. And how do we get back to the fundamental basics is we would each now, because we're all skewed, and I have to be susceptible to that too. But I go through literally hundreds of research studies, which I do rather quickly, um, thank goodness for abstracts, but hmm. the point is, is that if we drop all of this kaleidoscopic information and false information and hidden agendas, and I say, how do we pull a thread, a golden thread of truth out of this morass, this kaleidoscopic point-counterpoint opinion, the one thread that we might pull out uh, uh, toward the truth, it's all going to be collecting the, the natural health viewpoint. That the number one thing that, and I believe right now I have 187 scientific studies, I've put them in a document. If somebody was desperate to say, put your facts where your mouth is, Jack, I'll pop it in an email. I have 187 scientific studies let's say vitamin D3 is the most important thing to do for this current viral epidemic. And then we go in, well, what was the vitamin D3 level of the 107-year-old who survived a really tough attack? The 103-year-old, the 102-year-old, they all have more optimal <laughs> vitamin D levels. So it just keeps coming around. And yet we go to our news media, there's not one word about vitamin D3. We go to our uh, two national conventions. There's not one glimmer of hope given on either side that there's something that we could do that has 187 studies backing it up, and a whole lot more actually, literally in the thousands, uh, about the virtues of vitamin D3. It's been highly studied, and it's immunological benefit. But the most important thing is not even being talked about. And so, again, this is where we run into, we're all um, down in the pits, uh, 
arguing about should we wear a mask, should we not? Is the vaccine going to be good? Do we want to wait? Is quarantine working? What about the people that didn't quarantine and they're doing just as fine? <clears throat> what about the statistics that this is probably an only a 0.1% mortality rate when it all washes down? But we don't really know because of the skewed statistics. You know, we chose not to include statistics that were needed. We chose to include statistics that weren't needed. This has been the one thing in pulling this thread. If you have to evaluate, follow the money. Hmm. If there's a strong money trail right now, hundreds of billions of dollars, now we want to put every one of us in front of the mirror. And so Tom, Mary, <laughs> Jack, Bob, Sally, stare in the mirror. What would you do if literally in six months you could make $10 billion? Mm-hmm. Would you mm-hmm. be willing to say, mm, maybe, you know, let's not talk about herd immunity. We don't want to get there before the vaccine. All the money is riding on the vaccine. And so when we will, and, and, and drugs that, have, that are working, prescription drugs, it's hard for a natural health person to tip a hat and say, thank God for that drug. But there's really uh, very, very clear evidence that there are drugs that are saving lives, drugs and maybe even the steroid. And certainly you have to have zinc, and that's what the science has brought out. People with good zinc values or people that supplement zinc with the drugs, have fared better. And so we have a second nutrient coming up that we need to optimize not only vitamin D3 at 75 mg slash ml, and most people are way low on their vitamin D3. So, hey, number one, get some sunshine. That's where you make your vitamin D3 sulfate. That's the perfect vitamin D. It's not in a supplement. It's in the sun. The very orb up there in the sky that the doctors have been telling people to avoid. And, and so um, now we come to zinc. And zinc is hard to get in the cells. It needs what's called an ionophore. And we turn to quercetin, a flavonoid for that. Or you can eat capers. Um, <laughs> if you have a caper garden out back, you're set. But the, the point is we need to get the zinc up because now the science shows us that not only whether you choose to take a medical drug or you choose to follow a natural health therapy, zinc, a natural health product, is your lifesaver as far as what goes on. And then zinc is in relationship to selenium and copper, and now you can start talking to a nutritionist. But as we, we march along, we find that vitamin B1 and vitamin B3 are needed by the immune system in order to maintain the cytokine storm. And so here we go. All of a sudden, we pull this thread out of all of this, and all it comes up with is our natural health model and natural health therapy. And that, we can say, is not being told to people while we're waiting for people to cash in, we have 167 new billionaires um, coming out of the big pharma model since this virus started. So we have this big economic shift of the poor getting poorer, 
pushed out of their jobs, and we have the very rich getting richer. So when we follow the money and we pull our thread out of everything, it, it comes up natural health. And if you really need to find if there's conspiracies or vested interest, you follow the money. So there you go, Richard. There's a little bit of some discussion of, of the plight that our elderly are in. Um, they haven't really been well nourished, and they haven't uh, been treated so that their bodies self-heal their ailments. And so literally that puts them as, as ticking time bombs waiting for a, uh, a pandemic or something uh, to shuffle off their mortal coils uh, free up the Medicare dollars and free up the Social Security dollars, and we get these people out of the way who've become a burden in many cases on society. So that's something to consider when we say a gain of function virus, uh, who are the most susceptible and, and why? And there's other, there's other uh, it's, it's racial. And it's age, and it's lifestyle, and there's a lot of uh, interesting things to sift and people that need direct support in order not to become a statistic. So that's where we are today now, and I'd like to see what you have to say, Richard. I've kind of gotten off on a, a long soapbox here, um, painting the, the picture but this is our this is our situation from a different viewpoint, but uh, we definitely want to get to action items of what people can do right now as we're still in the throes of this virus this mess um i I have a question I have you unpacked a lot there, and we don't have time to talk about all of it, but I have a couple of questions, but I have a question from chat I want to ask first. Somebody's asking, is zinc citrate supplementation a good option to ensure good levels? He's asking because it's inexpensive and it's in bulk powder. Certainly. We want to get the zinc, and if, if that person's body can cleave off the citrate molecule and get the ionic zinc from it, certainly. Um, I'll put my number one favorite is zinc sulfate because we need the, the sulfate. The liver mm -hmm. needs the sulfate in order to detox. And so there's a added value. Um, the citrate uh, could potentially bother people with sensitive bladders uh, and so forth. But, hey, if it's working and he's got a jar of zinc citrate powder, excellent. And then pick up some quercetin or some glutathione. Quercetin's less expensive. And, and and start taking um, 500 milligrams of quercetin two or three times a day to get that zinc in your cells so it can be ready to go to work for you if the, the virus were to hit. Now, here's the thing about vitamin D3 and zinc. They're both immune modulators. So the both the vitamin D3 and the zinc keeps the immune system from going into cytokine storm. It helps the immune system respond, and cytokines, whether it's from the, the Th1 or the Th2 immune systems, they both can generate cytokine reactions, but the, the zinc and the vitamin D3 keep it in a healthy, normal, natural response. 
And then it helps resolve that once the immune system is victorious. So that's why these things are so important. It's not just trying to play one side of the fence, oh, I've got to suppress cytokines or I've got to you know, boost this or that. It's, these are balancers of a healthy, normal, cooperative immune system. Well, and the radical concept that you're talking about is – well, actually, let me re-spin this ever so slightly. We can't go wrong in any way by having a strong and supported immune system. I know that's, that's a radical what we need. idea. You see, people are dying because they have a weak immune system. Right. And yeah, then people to... are dying because right. their immune systems are hyperactive, and they, don't right. have the, they can't put the brakes on it. Right. And so the immune system is um, – think of – literally think of like military on this planet. Um, you can, you can over-exert military force, can you not? Uh, think of uh, Waco and the Koresh people, you know, uh, that may well have been an overreaction of military uh, then you can have underreactive, and it's permissive, and then the person can get sicker and sicker or be preyed upon. Everything in nature is balance. And so that's our, our message there. And we need a balance between our acquired and our innate immune systems. And as elderly people get older, they do shift more because their acquired is wearing out, um, you know, maintaining all the antibodies, and partial antibodies that may have been awarded via vaccines, um, these, this system starts to get tired. And so they, they lean more on this quick punch-it-in-the-nose um, innate immune system. Then maybe the, the, they can't put the brakes on the cytokines, and that storm is what causes the lungs to shut down and uh, the death. So... We do. It's all it's that balanced immune system that's so important. And there you go, two nutrients, zinc and vitamin D3 and quercetin. Um, those would be top three things right there that a person could do to have their immune system uh, prepared for the task at hand. And would you, would you also bump up uh, vitamin C? I, I already take a pretty good level of vitamin C just as a lifestyle. But in general, would you think that people having benefit from, you know, three to maybe five grams a day during times when there's stress to help support the body? Well, Richard, I think that's probably normal, natural to every day trying to deal with the uh, air pollution. As we see nine million people dying every year just from air pollution alone, um, it only makes sense that we should all be better prepared. Now, there's wonderful research, and it comes every time there's an epidemic or a pandemic, the, the vitamin C drip, the people doing 20 grams, 40 grams, and things like that intravenously, it always comes up. We got it with the Ebola. We got it with Hanta. And there's always a, a doctor saying, well, I just give a vitamin C drip. There's no virus, according to Linus Pauling. Uh, the great researcher, there's no virus that can stand up to that onslaught of the vitamin C. So, yes, on my list of top seven, I put vitamin C at number six. 
And you go, well, why are you disrespecting vitamin C? Well, number one, <laughs> it washes out. You have to keep replacing yeah. it. And then number two, you have to have high doses. Now, you cited a good daily dose. And yes, indeed, people should optimize their vitamin C. But if it's not fighting the virus, well, it's going to help you live longer. It's going to help you live more, more safely. It's going to keep the, the collagen uh, younger so you don't wrinkle. Um, so absolutely, we need the, the vitamin C. And the reason why vitamin C became such a popular supplement over the last 50 years is because the human beings, everyone in our gene pool of humanity, our genome, we don't make our own vitamin C. Scientists speculate that times long ago we did. You know, dogs and cats make their own vitamin C. Pigs make their vitamin C. We don't. We got a genetic defect. And so when we learned that somehow our collective genome of humanity doesn't make vitamin C, right, this was the plague of scurvy uh, that the Limeys had to solve by putting lime in their water, right, the, the British sailors, the global explorers, you know, Captain Cook and so forth, um, that we have to have an intake. And it, it comes from vegetables. It comes, of course, as you know, from fruit. And uh, just good whole food like that. And we get our vitamin C. But because we don't make it and we're liable to go a day without a, a nice piece of fruit or in some nice raw vegetables that would have some vitamin C for us, it becomes a leading supplement in the world that we all need it. Our cells are crying for it. We need the whole spectrum, not just ascorbic acid, a, 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 an extract of the detritus of the paper pulp industry, uh, or, or even worse, uh, from GMO corn. Mm. We need good, wholesome nature's vitamin C, which comes with all the flavonoids. And as we just mentioned earlier, quercetin is a flavonoid. And so it's just a plea here, Richard. We need to go back to basic whole foods and organically grown. And now we're giving ourselves just the right fuel and nutrient that they need. That makes me jump to thinking last weekend I did a show with Stephanie Seneff, and we were talking about glyphosate. And she quoted a study, which I'm trying to get at my hand. I, I emailed her, asked her to send me, and when I, when I get it, I'll send it to you. And it was a study where they took a group of children and they did a urinalysis and f found glyphosate to start. And the, only, the change that they made for the kids, they did this for a 10-day trial, is they put them on a certified organic diet for 10 days. That's the only change. And at the end of those 10 days, they did a urinalysis again and found that their levels reduced dramatically on glyphosate. Just that, I mean, that's not a simple thing to do, but it's it's amazing to me in a positive way that that's all they had to do is just eat clean certainly the what a radical idea i'm sorry richard go ahead i was just saying what a radical idea just eat clean food how about that hey you know the real radical idea is that people don't but the um the glyphosate destroys the shikimate pathway in the gut bacteria and then we start starving the cells because those bacteria are no longer converting our, our nascent vitamins and the molecules that run our bodies. 
And so when we introduce a pesticide in every bite that is irritating uh, and destroying uh, the gut microbiome, um, you can certainly see that just stopping that onslaught is going to allow those colonies, uh, hopefully, uh, the good guys, the probiotics, will multiply and reestablish more of the work that they do to support the brain, the heart, the thyroid, the liver, and uh, every cell in the body. And I just wanted to say I'm crying right now because I missed the show with Stephanie Seneff. So I'm going to get on to your uh, website. Uh, Stephanie Seneff is, is, is certainly one of my heroes. My and name. if Stephanie speaks, I want to hear it. And <laughs> so she's a brilliant MIT graduate, um, gives us fascinating work. And I believe I learned from Stephanie some years ago that the amino acid glycine, tasty little white powder, mm-hmm. can detox the body of glyphosate. And so when people mix up a little cocktail or they make a decision that organic is what's right for their cells, that they can do a, a little flushing out with glycine as a supplement and just get all squeaky clean and, and get that glyphosate out of there. It's turning up in breast milk. It's turning up in uh, newborn infants' bodies. And so the, the promise of Monsanto and Bayer that this was a free pesticide that couldn't hurt humans has been absolutely false. And um, thankfully, uh, the courts seem to be taking them to task right now with the thousands of lawsuits um, as a result of that pesticide. But more damaging has been the loss of indigenous crops as the agenda of that company has caused people to quit growing what grows in their community and makes and grow soybeans for money. So the, 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 the damage of glyphosate and Roundup, which is still on the shelves at Ace Hardware and mm-hmm. Home Depot, um, they're glad to sell it to you, even though there's literally now more than a thousand uh, scientific studies that, that point glyphosate toward cancer and disturbed metabolics. But now we're back to our old folks, and what do you think they're being fed when other people feed them on a budget? You know, they're getting the the cheap uh, glyphosated foods. So, you know, we do a lot of things. It seems to be a penchant right now of humanity that we have to do everything wrong before we'll do it right. And wrong is simply because it's often cheaper, easier, and we haven't held our our number one standard of what promotes health versus what makes a quick buck. So if right. there's been a flaw of capitalism or a flaw of the money, money, money uh, system of humanity, and I'm looking over thousands of years, Right. Uh, I'm going to say one of the flaws that we have to overcome if we're layers fair type people is we need to we need to get it where our method of living is first respectful to the laws of nature, and that's where we've humanity seems to have slipped off the got a wheel off the tracks, and now the oligarchs are dictating what we get to eat and how we think and so forth. So it's definitely a watershed time 
for humanity, but it's up to each of us to take the self-responsibility to work with the, the body and to guarantee that our bodies have the nutrients that it needs according to what it needs, not according to what someone thinks. Every gardener knows this. If you nourish your, your lettuce patch, you're going to grow bigger, healthier lettuce. If we nourish our bodies, we've just gotten into an amazing condition that there's nothing in commercial produce that's really suitable for a human being. Talk about being a stranger in a strange land or a fish out of water. You know, we've all been trained. You go to the grocery store and there's that beautiful green lettuce and we take all this bounty home. But yet in that lettuce is a, is a dearth of nutrients. It doesn't have the nutrients it did 50 years ago. And it's got the, um, let's say, the glyphosates and uh, other pesticides uh, in it. And so this is a, a diametric shift in the quality of the fundamental cellular metabolics. One time someone asked me, um, what are the criterion for metabolic health? How do I know if I have metabolic health? And I thought, well, is your fasting glucose less than 100? Is your hemoglobin A1C less than 5.7? 5.7? Is your blood pressure, your systolic, less than 120 and your diastolic less than 80? Is your triglycerides a little bit under 150? And we all know that the triglyceride glucose ratio, um, when it's too high, uh, there's a greater mortality uh, from virus. Uh, we could look at HDL, a type of uh, cholesterol, and if it's greater than 40, greater than 50 for women, greater than 40 for men, you're in good shape, and then you're going to love this. The LDL, what science and doctors told us was the bad cholesterol. <laughs> uh, I mean, what a load of ignorance there. Uh, the body, <laughs> it needs LDL to fight infections. <laughs> so, you know, it's like we, we seem to denigrate things first as a species. And then after 30, 40 years of misery, there'll be the new discovery that, sure, your LDL cholesterol is important. Um, <clears throat> it's really, this whole cholesterol issue, just to give a, a quick summary, it's really about the oxidation of cholesterol. So you can have high cholesterol in a good ratio, everything's hunky-dory. That may be a person's genetics at play. And I'm talking as much as 300 on the cholesterol scale, might be normal and natural for some people, not the majority. But if you do have that kind of high cholesterol, the number one thing to help yourself is to take antioxidants. Astaxanthin, resveratrol, you know, vitamin E, vitamin C, vitamin A, all of these things, there's so many of these things, selenium, they're all antioxidants. And that's what protects the oxidation of that cholesterol. Because very simply, if... There's more ducks flying in the, the pattern. Chances are if a person pulls a shotgun and shoots it in the middle, they're going to hit a couple of ducks. So the more LDL cholesterol you have floating around, the more opportunity 
there is, the greater the risk. All true. That's what medicine would agree on. It's all true. Higher LDL is a risk. But all you have to do <laughs> is make sure you've got the antioxidants and you're not oxidizing it. The problem today is breathing our air is bringing in compounds that cause free radical damage. There's compounds in our food, might I use the word pesticide, herbicide, um, in our food that generates more free radicals and inflammation. And so we're, if you have high cholesterol and you're living in this world, oh, yes, yes, it can be a big risk factor if you're eating the sad standard American diet and you're getting more and more challenges to your system. And some people inevitably are going to have a, a gene profile that's just going to, you know, present to the body more of uh, a cholesterol-type molecule. But cholesterols are so needed for the nervous system. They make the amethoglobins, for Pete's sake. You know, and so um, in natural health, we do have a little bit of a, a, a different voice, but uh, I, I want to point out that if you go to school for four years and all you study are drugs and physiology and anatomy, lovely, and all you study are drug solutions, you have a certain bias to your mind. If you go to college and you spend four years studying nutrition and you learn cool stuff like if you're going to take vitamin D3, you must have vitamin K2 with it so you don't end up depositing calcium in your arteries and in your heart and in your joints. And yet the doctors don't know this. It's okay. They didn't study it. The, the problem today is we're, we're turning to the plumber to get advice on the stock market. <laughs> you know, we we need if we're gonna if we want nutritional advice, we need to go to a nutritionist. That only that only makes sense. And so, um, this is where we have some disconnect. And then uh, you mentioned our our beloved treasure, Dr. Stephanie Seneff, and she's gone on record to say never, 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 never ever take folic acid and yet for every pregnant mother out there the doctors are trying to jam them with folic acid folic acid takes a toll on the liver uh, it has to be reconverted um, if it teams up with glyphosate it's going to be a faster ticket toward disease and what people need to take is folate or methylfolate or folinic acid you see the good guys and so the nutritionists know this. So all of a sudden we have a situation where today there's 10,000 new pregnancies in our country. Probably 99% of them are going to be told to take folic acid to avoid uh, you know, tubal dysfunction and, and so forth. Good science being misapplied. And then that folic acid is probably going to be put on an RX pad and throw a few coins back into Big Pharma where mm. the, uh, the folate is what, what's needed and it is needed and it helps with pregnancy. These are just the things I'm trying to simply cite an example where a nutritionist who studied for years 
knows a thing or two, even though they're not waving around a big medical credential. Um, and now we've had the, the problem is Big Pharma has basically revolving door appointed people into the FDA. And now the government is passing laws saying that you can't talk about vitamins, you can't talk about COVID, you can't talk about these things unless you're towing the party line. This is very, very dangerous to the spirit of America. This is dangerous to anybody that wants freedom of information and freedom to make up their own mind and freedom to engage debate. So that's just the way the world has, is going. And, um, but now we've had a chance to at least alert people uh, on some key logic. You have a nutritional question? Ask a certified clinical nutritionist, for Pete's sake. If you have a drug question or disease question, go talk to the doctor who studied that. So, so often over the years, uh, let's say poor chiropractors, they've been hand-slapped so many times for recommending an herb or a vitamin, and they call it working outside the scope of your practice. Today we have an unbridled uh, invasion uh, of going on outside the scope of medical practice. Again, if you study diseases, talk about diseases. If you study drugs, talk about drugs. But if you want a question answered about a nutrient, go to the person that studies them. So that just seems like fundamental common sense, and yet our society doesn't seem to accept what I just said as any any grain of truth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm shocked to find not only are we we actually went over, which is shocking. I, I've always found it. I, one of my closing thoughts will be sometime we're going to do a whole show talking about cholesterol and your great book on cholesterol, because that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, we're not going to do that now, but boy, would I like to jump on that soapbox. I think it's an interesting thing that the standard America diet is sad. I mean, that just seems really, how is that possible? Did somebody make that up? How did it become so sad? It's just really it's a it's a stunning thing. I, I've 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 thought of it before, but when you said it today, I just thought, oh my god, it really is sad. The state of America diet really is a sad thing. I can't advocate for that. Let's eat healthy foods. Let's support our bodies. Let's actually support our system. It's it's having a hard enough time. Let's actually give it some nutrition. Talk to somebody like that, Jack. Talk to an herbalist. Talk to a nutritionist. See your chiropractor. They might know something. People who are interested in health. There is no health care in standard of care from my view. That's my personal opinion. Maybe an editorial people would call it, but that's my view. Is There's no real health care in standard of care. It's all, what can we give you today? All right, I'll stop there. Jack, could you please tell us where people can find more information about you and how they can work with you? I'll give a couple of Richard. Um, just a website for me is www.wellnesswiz.com. Wiz is W-I-Z, wellnesswiz.com. There's some information there. A lot of my publications, many are free, many, most, are fee-based. They're at appleadaypress.com. 
So if you can tune in a little bit there, and I'm always glad to hear from people, always glad to help, always glad to share some of the oh, 200 research reports that I've generated uh, that might be germane uh, to someone being able to think through their their issues and find uh, that thread of truth that might make a difference and help improve health. Thank you. That was a great show, Jack. It's always fun when we gather together. I feel a little bit like we're dogs barking into the air sometimes, but it's always good. You know, it's great information. And we will talk more about Stephanie Seneff someday. She is really a a hero for me as well. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jack. Uh, Everybody else have a great rest of the week, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.